All right, good evening. I haven't heard the bell, but it is 6.30, and I suspect that the uh, second bell will be on time. So let's go ahead and find whichever seat's your favorite. Go ahead and take it, and then we'll have a word of prayer and uh, dive in tonight. All right, will you bow with me, please? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for another day, another opportunity to wake up and investigate your word together, uh, to live as we ought to, to set a good example that is to be a light in our communities and in our homes. Uh, We thank you for these times of refreshing where we can see one another's faces and encourage one another and sharpen one another. We pray for all the teachers and all the students. Help us all to have ready minds to receive the things that you have set before us. Help us to search the scriptures for ourselves to make sure that the things that we that we hear are so. We love you and and we thank you for providing for us in such an abundant and bountiful way. In Christ's name. Amen. All right. Uh, We've been thinking about the home, and uh, today I want to think about parenting in the Christian home. And, of course, this is a subject that is uh, broad enough that I I know I won't cover everything that could possibly be talked about on the subject, but I do want to uh, sort of open the door to talking about it today, and I'm sure I'll spend at least one more uh, class session talking about it, and maybe a couple more. There's just so many things we could talk about. But this would be sort of an introduction to that. Uh, Before we dive in, I'd wonder if you have any thoughts about the significance or the importance of parenting in general. Why is parenting important? Is it important? Does it make any difference? You know, if a person has good active parents or not, whether the parents are Christian or not, whether the parents are intentional about instilling Christian values and so forth. Does any of that make a difference, do you think? Okay. Okay, so what, what, what happens in the home affects what happens outside of the home in terms of a person's respect for, among other things, authority and so forth. You know, if, you, if people don't respect authority in the house, they're, they're very unlikely to respect authority outside of the house, uh, right? What else? Does it make any difference? Okay, God tells us how to raise our children in the way that they should go. Now, listen, there's a lot of ideas about parenting. And I've got some books at my house where people with various degrees and stuff will tell you that this is how it ought to be done. And that doesn't mean that there's I don't mean to suggest that there's no value in what they say, but God tells us how he wants it done. Right. And you don't have to really conduct any. Uh, great studies to see how God tells you he wants it done. You don't really have to have any letters behind your name to open up the Bible and see how God wants it done. So there are lots of ways that people can go about trying to rear their children. Of course, in a Christian home, we're going to emphasize how God says he wants it done. Um, 
Anybody think people parent differently today than they used to? Yeah, I mean, it's different in a lot of ways. How is it different today than it used to be? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, that is the increase in technology and electronics and all that, that captures a lot of young people's attention. I was, was just having a conversation about technology here, and I was saying, you know, when I was in school, I had to learn how to type on one of those old PICA typewriters. We had a class where we had to do that, and of course now kids, I don't know that they ever learn how to type. They just pull out their phones and peck on those buttons, or uh, we had to do division the long way, and we had to do... Uh, calculus equations the long way and now they just pull out a contraption and so technology has changed a lot of things including people's attention spans um, yes ma'am well that's a big difference isn't it I don't know if you heard that but with mothers increasingly working outside the home, that's completely changed the parenting dynamic, isn't it? Because there certainly was a time when the norm was for the mother to be in the home. And so before the children, or you know, if they went off to school, the mother would be there to sort of usher them off and be there when they came home. And there really wasn't a time when the kids were sort of being left to their own devices, whereas that's a lot more customary now. If both parents are working outside the home, then that means the children are sort of left to their own devices. There's a lot of other things. I don't know if some of these things stand out to you, but of course, you know, when I was um, just the whole ethos of, of what a child is supposed to be, I remember when I was younger, people would say, you know, children are supposed to be seen and not heard. You know, you just sort of, hey, make sure you know your place. When grown people are talking, they're not talking to you. You just kind of sit there and of course, now, uh, sometimes children have a different idea about what their place is and what, what happens when a child is not in his or her place, whatever that is perceived to be. Well, um, there was a time when that was redressed. Uh, may be some conversation, but may not be. Uh, you just sort of get a rap tap on the behind. If your parents were uh, accurate, it would be on the behind. If it wasn't, it might catch you somewhere else. Uh, nowadays, of course, you go to jail, maybe, for doing the same thing, the exact same thing. I know there's a, such thing as abuse and all that, but I mean doing the exact same thing as a couple decades ago, you might get into trouble. There have been a lot of changes, and I hope to, over the next couple of weeks, think about some of that with you. But before we go into some of those kinds of things, let's just take a look at um, sort of an overview, a bird's eye view of what God is expecting parents to do. In a Christian home, parents are going to do certain things. And some of this we may have thought about uh, from different perspectives, but I want to spend a few minutes with you on Proverbs 22 and verse number six. The Bible teaches that parents are to instruct their children. Parents have to teach. Now, we talked about the idea that learning has to go on. If it's a person who lives by him or herself, if it's a married couple that doesn't have any children, or if the married couple has children, or if it's a single parent with children, learning has to go on. But Proverbs 22 and 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. That word train 
is really a very loaded term. If you look at the way it's used in other places, the original term, the other the way it's used in other places in the Old Testament, it is oftentimes, in fact, it is, I think, every time except this one translated dedicate. That is, parents are expected to dedicate, to devote, to give back their child so that their child's purpose and function is to serve the Lord. That's what God expects parents to do. Uh, there is some relationship between that word, and maybe you guys have at least heard this term before, catechize. Uh, there is some relationship between that word and the word catechize. That is, we are supposed to uh, give children over to being learners of, followers of, disciples of the Lord. Now, that's way back in Proverbs 22. That's parents job is to dedicate his or her child to the Lord. And the, the text says that you train the child up in the way he or she should go the way. Now, you know this already. That has to do with sort of a uh, uh, a style of living. The walk that you have is the term that's used in the uh, in the New Testament. Sometimes a person's walk in Jeremiah 10 and 23. The Bible says, "O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walks to direct his own steps. What does that mean? There is a way that God would have people to go. But it's not the way that people left to their own devices would find for themselves. And so God's expectation is that people would be taught, people would be instructed, people would be devoted and dedicated to the way that he wants them to go. And it's the parent's job to ensure uh, that that happens. The Bible says in Proverbs a couple of times, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the ends of that way are death and destruction. What's going to happen to young people left to their own devices? What do you expect to happen to young people who have to sort of raise themselves? Uh, I would observe that what is going to happen is exactly what is happening because parents are abdicating their responsibility to train children up in the way they should go. And so children go whichever way they figure out for themselves. And you have an increasingly lawless society. Uh, that's what we have, because my suggestion to you, you can throw it out the window, is that parents are falling down on their job. Uh, we blame it on everybody else. Right. Uh, but it's the parent's job. It's not the government's job. It's not the school's job. It's the parent's job. And so if it doesn't happen, the parents are the first ones you have to look at. Yes, sir. OK, idle mind is the devil's workshop. We do have, you know, that's part of being in a society that is as prosperous as ours. Um, when you when you have you don't have to worry about where your next meal is coming from. Uh, then you can start messing about with the arts and all that. You know, these are luxurious luxuries. And so when you find it, you're idle because you don't have to worry about sort of some of your basic needs. This is uh, this is an occasion where we can find ourselves in a lot of trouble. So the first thing I'd point out to you is that God does expect parents to instruct. That is to train their children up. It is the parents job, not society's job, squarely on the parents shoulders. 
Uh, Genesis 18 and 19, a verse we've looked at several times and maybe we'll look at it again. But you see what God says of Abraham. I've known him that he will command his children. Part of training children up is giving them commands. That's the reason for the leadership structure in the house. That's why it's father and mother and then children down here with the parents giving law to the children, commanding the children in the way they should go. Why? Because the children don't know which way they should go. And if we leave it to them to figure it out for themselves, uh, it will not turn out very well for them. So part of instructing is giving of commands, laying down of the law, so to speak. In Deuteronomy 4 and verse 9, and there are several passages like this in Deuteronomy. I just picked this one because we hadn't looked at it before. But you see here, there's the expectation that parents are going to pass along what they have learned about God to their children. That is an expectation. And so in Deuteronomy 4 and 9, the text says, only take heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things which your eyes saw unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Listen to this. Not only do I want you to remember what you saw, not only do I want you to keep in the forefront of your mind and your thinking what I have done in your stead, but he says, make them known to your children and your children's children. The things that God has done, you have seen God working in your life and in the world. You have studied the Bible at least enough to know who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, what God expects of you. And God expected Israel of old to teach that to their children and for your grandparents, your children's children. God expects there to be some instruction. There are several passages like this. I simply picked this one from Joshua because we haven't looked at it before. But there is an expectation in Joshua chapter four. Uh, he says that this will be a sign among you that when your children ask in time to come saying, what do these stones mean? Then you will say to them. And he goes on in that passage and explains the significance of the uh, stones, that particular memorial. What is that telling us? Part of my instructing children is that I will give them commands. I will say to them, this is what you must do and this is what you must not do. And part of my instructing children is that I will teach them what great things God has done. In fact, what he is doing and what he will do. That's part of my job as a parent. Uh, but at the same time, you know, your children are going to have questions. Your children are going to sometimes come to you and say, listen, why do we do things this way when other people do them another way? Why do we teach this thing when other people are teaching some other thing? They should be coming to their parents and their parents are the ones who are supposed to have the answers in a Christian home, you don't depend on the local church to teach your children to be disciples of Christ. You do that in your house. According to everything I read in the Bible, you do that in your house. And then what happens in the assembly would be a supplement to that. This is part of the expectation that parents will instruct their Children. There are other passages. There are plenty of them. You find them an awful lot in the Old Testament as Israel was preparing to go over into the New Testament, go over into, I'm sorry, the promised land. 
And uh, the same expectation, of course, would abide today. We are to catechize, devote and dedicate our children to the Lord. And so the thought here is that God actually only lends children to parents. We realize that, don't we? I think sometimes we forget and we think to ourselves, these are my kids. Yes, they are, but they are God's creation. And he gives them to you for a brief period of time with the expectation that you will raise them up to be godly. That is his expectation. And you remember in Malachi 2 and 15, he says that. Why did he make the two one? Why did God make two one? The Bible says that he might receive a godly seed. He brought man and woman together so that they would reproduce and produce godly people. That is his expectation. And so in a Christian home, we begin early instructing our children about the things of God. I mean, we begin, you know, when other people are teaching nursery rhymes and stuff like that, that's fine. But uh, we're teaching the books of the Bible. We're teaching the kids to know the books of the Bible in order, Old Testament and New. We're singing songs that are teaching spiritual things. That's part of what the Bible tells us, right? We are to teach and admonish in these ways. And we do that even with small children in a Christian home. Questions or thoughts about that? In a Christian house, young people are being instructed in the things of God. That has to be happening in the Christian house. Sure. Well, Titus one, first Timothy three, you have those qualifications for elders and uh, it's not now he's in the, in the Paul says that a, a, um, a man who's going to be an elder has to rule his own house well. But it also tells us that the children have to comport themselves a certain way. They can't be accused of riot and unruly. Right. I mean, these aren't the kids who are tearing up the church house. These aren't the kids who are getting in trouble in school all the time. I mean, these kids have to be uh, remaining within what would be a faithful station in their position in life. They would be faithful in their position in life. Um, And so anyhow, we have to have instruction. That's going on. Yes, Yes, sir. That's right. I don't know if everybody heard that, uh, but I do appreciate your mentioning that because I didn't emphasize it. In that passage in Genesis 18, he says that Abraham is going to give his children commands, but those commands were to lead them in knowing how to live righteous and to do justice. That's what God expects. And so, of course, uh, again, if you expect that people are going to figure that out for themselves, it would be a great mistake. And I know that one of the reasons I, I mentioned this and maybe I emphasize this is I have seen 
where people's idea is that you just kind of let children figure it all out for themselves and they just make an absolute mess of their lives and it's predictable that that would happen. A second thing I'd point out in a Christian home, the scriptures make it clear that parents are expected to model uh, right living. That is, if you're going to raise young people to be Christians, you're not only going to tell them, instruct them, but you're also going to show them. And to make this point, I'd like you to think about a couple of uh, sets of parents and children and how this worked in their lives. You know, sometimes we think it's enough to tell our children the right thing. I've known plenty of people who were not Christians who would tell their children you know what? Drugs are bad. Don't do drugs. But they're drug addicts themselves. You know, alcohol is not good. You shouldn't drink. But they have beer in the refrigerator and drink one. I mean, I've known plenty of people who would tell their kids the right things, but they don't do the right things themselves. You know, don't lie. But then their children stand right next to them when they tell a lie to someone else when they think it's convenient. Uh, And so saying the right things is not unique to Christian parents. I mean, most people with common sense want what's best for their kids. And so they would at least tell their kids the right things. But the Bible teaches that Christian parents would model the right things also. And I just want to show you a couple of examples of of how parenting works here when you deal with the model. So if you look at uh, Abraham, you remember Abraham had a problem with lying. Uh, Genesis 12 and 13, he says uh, to his wife, say, I pray you, uh, you are my sister that it may be well with me for your sake and that my soul may live because of you. What's his concern? Well, if I mean, you're kind of nice looking woman. And if these guys get the idea that you and I are married, they may want to bump me off so that you'll be unattached and they can have you for themselves. So I'm asking you to I'm asking you to deceive them. Now, was this his sister? It was his half sister, uh, but it was his wife. And he was saying specifically, don't let him in on that part. Uh, That was a lie, a lie that. Apparently, Abraham told as a uh, he told that sort of as a habit. I mean, there's at least a couple of occasions where he got other people into trouble. But he says this before they go into this land. This is what I want you to tell people when this comes up. Uh, Now, Abraham was uh, the father of the faithful. Now, there's a great deal that we can see in his life and that we can commend and that we can say, listen, his children had a good role model, generally speaking. Uh, but do you notice that each of his uh, his child and his grandchild, the two in particular I'm thinking about here, uh, they also had the same problem with lying that he had. Did you notice that Isaac in Genesis 26 in verse seven, he says uh, the men of the place ask him of his wife and he says she is my sister for he feared to say my wife. And he goes on and explains Uh, Why are you doing that? Well, where did you pick that up? I mean, why would you tell that particular lie? I don't know, because the text doesn't say uh, that he learned it from his dad. But uh, would anybody be surprised if he did learn it from his dad? I mean, he's telling the same lie for the same reasons. And uh, you recall that Jacob in particular also had a problem sometimes with deception. You see, if we if we have certain kinds of weaknesses and we set certain examples for our children, 
our children are likely to follow those examples. And in a Christian home, parents have to realize that. It's not good enough to sort of be publicly one person and then go home and be another person because your children, they see who you really are and they're likely to follow that. Another example, and there, there are many of these, I just picked out some that I thought people would readily remember. You remember our man David, a man after God's own heart. Now, if he's a man after God's own heart, generally speaking, uh, his children should have had a good example to follow, right? He's a man after God's own heart. Well, you remember one of the things that David uh, did is he had more wives than he should have. I mean, the text specifically says the kings were told not to multiply wives. Uh, and David had a couple. And then we see in 2 Samuel 5 and 13 that he took more concubines and wives beside those couple. Um, and so one of the things that he modeled was polygamous marriage. His son, listen, on David's deathbed, he told his son, you need to listen to God. You need to follow God. You need to do what God wants done. He told him that on his deathbed. And then we look at first Kings 11 and one. The Bible says Solomon loved many strange women besides the daughter of uh, Pharaoh. And he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Uh, so he was sort of, I know he did what David did on steroids, but he did the same thing he saw his father do, did he not? His father didn't model monogamous marriage. His father didn't model one man, one woman for life. And his son, despite the fact that his father told him, you just do exactly what God wants done. He actually followed his father's uh, example in this regard. Another example of this in the New Testament this is uh, John the Baptist's parents. And the Bible says they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. OK, we've got a faithful, devout father and a faithful, devout mother. And what do they produce? Jesus says of John in Luke 8 and 28 that among men born of women, there are none greater than John. He would say to the people, what did you come out to see in the wilderness? Did you come out to see a reed shaking in the wind? I mean, people who are dressed in fine clothes, you don't find them in the wilderness. What did you come out to see? Then he would say, did you come out to see a prophet? And he said, yeah, more than a prophet. People like that, like John the Baptist, who Jesus would say, was the greatest of those born of women. They don't usually spring out of nowhere. He was nurtured, he was taught, and he had modeled for him righteous living his whole life. He was only a little older than Jesus Christ. He was only a little older. And so then as a young person, he was a profoundly spiritual and faithful man as a young person. Now, who's surprised that he came from the kind of parents that he came from? Parents have to show their children the right things. You don't just tell your children in a Christian home, you know, you ought to get some religion somewhere along the way. You don't just tell your children in a Christian home, you know, that Bible, you ought to read that from time to time. 
or you ought to go to services with the rest of the saints or you ought to serve or you ought to teach people the gospel or you ought to sacrifice or you ought to be kind. You don't just tell your children that. You have to show them that. In a Christian house, parents intentionally model Christianity for their kids. One of the reasons I point this out is because some people have sort of a do what I say and not what I do style of parenting. Christian parents know better. Christian parents know a lot better than that. It's not enough to just encourage your children to tell them what they ought to do, but you have to show them. Because I say, when you tell your children, do as I say, not as I do, then you produce kids who do what you do and say what you say. They're going to just tell their kids the same thing. If they see you drinking alcohol, they're going to think, well, this must be okay. Mom does it. Dad does it. And you can tell them it's not a good idea all you want. Uh, that child is very likely going to try it because they saw you do it. You can tell them, listen, smoking cigarettes is a bad idea. You shouldn't do it. If they watch you do it, the likelihood is they are going to try it as well. You can tell them that you ought to watch your speech and you ought to make sure that nothing uh, unsavory comes out of your mouth. You can say that, but then when they see you, when you're not in your good moments and you speak as if you're not a child of God, guess what? They're going to think, well, when I get upset, I can speak as if I'm not a child of God. It's not enough to say it in a Christian house. Parents know they have to model uh, Christianity as well. And so my thinking is if you uh, if you have kids or you're trying to help raise kids and they see you being loving and long suffering, if they see you being respectful and temperate and honest, and conscientious and committed, they are more likely to follow that example. Uh, if they see you dressing lasciviously, if they see you gossiping, if they see you, and I don't mean this in the most uh, literal way, but if they see you being a fornicator, if they see you forsaking the assembly, they are likely to follow those examples. Uh, that's just, uh, we sometimes maybe we wouldn't want it to be that way. I, I tell my children sometimes they get to see I have weaknesses just like everybody else. And what I try to tell them is, boy, I hope you'll do your best to follow the good things and avoid the bad. Uh, but I think it's my responsibility to be the best that I can be so they don't have to try to navigate around my bad. Right. I point this one out um, and I won't dive too deep into it, but I will point this one out because I want to spend some more time with it. So I'll just mention it tonight. Parents have to discipline. Parents have to discipline. You have to tell your children and you have to show your children and then you have to restrain your children. That's part of parenting. You actually have to, when your child goes to stick a fork in the electrical socket, you actually have to pull their hand back, not let them find out the hard way that that's not a good idea. When your children prepare to run into the street, you actually have to snatch them up and not let them find out the hard way that that's dangerous. Now, I think most parents can figure that out. But somehow when it comes to moral matters or spiritual matters, we tend to think that they're supposed to learn everything the hard way. No, no. Children are supposed to be restrained. Uh, 
Now this passage in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 3 and 13, you remember it. Samuel's got these kids. I'm sorry, Eli has these kids. Samuel's kids weren't very good either, but I'm talking about Eli here. Um, He's got these kids that are doing some really outrageous things spiritually. I mean, these guys are taking advantage of people when they're coming to make their offerings to God. And they're taking advantage of the ladies who are in and around uh, the services. And it's, I mean, these were some really bad kids. And Eli knows this. These are these are these are grown men. I can't tell you how old they are, but these are grown men. And the Bible says that God is displeased with him because he did not restrain his children. These were grown men. Now, there's a sense in which uh, maybe they had a, 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 a relationship that was multilayered because he's the priest and they're working under him in that respect as well. Uh, but God refers to them as his sons. He had a special duty to them because he was their father to restrain them. And he did not. If you look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number eight, uh, this is an interesting passage as well, because uh, the Bible tells us by inspiration here that if you don't chasten your children, that is, if you don't correct your children, if you don't restrain your children, if you don't funnel their behavior, then it's as if you don't love them at all. He says, you know, bastards and uh, you got I mean that, of course, in the technical way. Children who are sort of illegitimate, they're the ones that people treat that way. You just don't care what they do. You just let them do whatever they want to do. That means you don't love them at all. He says children who are unrestrained are like illegitimate. Their parents don't really care for them. And so God always chastens us. And if we use him as our model, then it's incumbent upon Christian parents to chasten their children. I was listening to a radio program this last week, and there was a question about whether someone should say something to a parent who had a particularly, I guess, rambunctious child. You know, the child was just unruly, I guess, and everybody was bothered by it. And... Um, I suppose they were struggling with whether or not they should say something to the parent or not. And one lady said, um, I don't think you should say anything to the parent because the parent knows that the child is unruly already. And the idea was we don't want to offend the parent by pointing out that the child is unruly. I suppose, but you see, this is one of the differences in parenting that I see. I'm just old enough that I remember uh, when I was younger that it just just about anybody that wanted to could snatch me up. I mean, in my neighborhood, um, I didn't have to, you know, like my mom didn't have to spank me. Anybody in the neighborhood just about who saw me doing something that I shouldn't would, would get a hold of me. Now you can't even mention that a person's child maybe is unruly. If the person actually knows that their child is unruly, shouldn't they be doing something about that? If the person actually realizes that their child is a nuisance, doesn't listen to people, is disrespectful, 
then isn't it the parent's job to chasten their own child? Listen, I understand that it's not somebody else's job to do it. The other person may be able to help you, but the parent, if they love that child, has to restrain them. That is an act of love, restraining your child. It's not somebody else's job to do it. Somebody else may want to help you bring certain things to your attention, uh, reinforce certain things for your children. Christian parents don't let their children run all over the place. No, they don't. Not in the Bible. Not in the Bible. I see people kind of work that I've done. Their children run all over the place. And. They wind up in jail, they wind up dead, they wind up hurting other people. Yes, sir. Well, you know, for folks who are a little older, um, you know, I, I kind of had those uh, I brought you in this world. I can take you out kind of parents, uh, you know, rights. I mean, what do we I'm not telling you children don't have any rights. I mean, because the Bible ascribes certain rights to children. I mean, how you treat people, that includes how you treat your children. So all those passages about how you're supposed to treat people that applies to your children, too. Um, but, you know. You want to call the police on your parents, you know, go maybe go live with them because they grounded you because they won't let you do, you know, just anything you want to. You're supposed to have rules. You're supposed to have rules and there's supposed to be consequences when you don't follow those rules. I'm going to spend some more time talking about discipline because there really are a lot of contours to that. But I at least want to mention it because that is part and parcel of being a parent. If you don't want to if you don't want to restrain kids, don't have them. Because that's part of being a parent. It's part of being a parent. Um, this quote, I think, is an interesting one. Matthew Henry says this. And of course, Matthew Henry is a denominational theologian and uh, he's got some good things to say. And there's plenty of things that I wouldn't agree with. But this point he makes is uh, is a very good one regarding Proverbs 22 and verse number six. He says, ordinarily, the vessel retains the savor with which it was first seasoned. Many indeed have departed from the good way in which they were trained up. Solomon himself did so. But early training may be a means of their recovering themselves as it is supposed Solomon did. What's his point? You know, people have to make their own decisions. And we know that. I mean, children are not going to be children forever. And children are going to grow up and make their own decisions and go out in the world. And sometimes they will not follow the training they have received. But if you give them right training when they're young, they do at least have the means to recover themselves. They at least have in their minds and in their hearts the word of God sufficient to know that what they're doing is not right. If you don't give them that, they don't have the means to correct themselves in the same way. Uh, and so Christian parents, we always hope and pray our children will be faithful. Uh, but we've got to teach them to be faithful 
uh, when they're young. And if we do that, we increase the likelihood that they will be faithful Christians when they're older. And if they falter, we at least give them the means to recover themselves. I appreciate your time tonight. Thank you.